0: Hey, what's up, guys? Dan here from Spilling the Tea at Pico Podcast. I want to thank you again for joining us. Today I was joined by... Paul Fitzpatrick over at Home Group Realty. We had an awesome conversation. We talked a little bit about his hero's journey, how he got here, and also jump into the market, his predictions, uh, his advice for uh, buyers, sellers, and some pitfalls to avoid. And then we just kind of got into some other stuff too. So I hope you enjoy it. You like it. Uh, Check out Paul and uh, Home Group Realty. I'll link below and catch you on the next one. Enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome to Spilling the Tea, a podcast brought to you by Pico Mortgages. I'm your host, Dan Johannes, and in this series, we'll be interviewing some really interesting entrepreneurs, real estate professionals, and really anyone that's got a story that I think is worth sharing with you, the viewers. So sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy it, and please comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Spilling the Tea. I'm your host, Dan Johannes from Pico Mortgages. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Paul Fitzpatrick. Paul is a 40 plus year resident of Guelph, uh, having graduated from the University of Guelph with a degree in management economics. Uh, Paul started his real estate career back in 1988. And in 2011, he opened his own brokerage, so that's a Home Group Realty, with a team of only four realtors. And since then, he has grown it to a dynamic independent brokerage of over 50 plus seasoned realtors. So, Paul, welcome to the show. I appreciate you uh, stopping by here. Um, so, I guess the first question here is, it seems like from the get-go, you pretty much knew right out of university what you wanted to do uh, and to get into real estate. So maybe you can kind of speak a little bit on that journey, what got you interested? Uh, Because I graduated from the same program at Guelph, and I think real estate was probably the furthest thing uh, from what I found myself uh, getting into. So I just want to kind of get an idea of of what uh, drew you towards uh, real estate. Great. Well, thanks,
1: Dan. And thank you for having me on. Um, And I wish I could say that I was so narrow focused on real estate from the get go. Um, And it was funny because I was chatting with a friend of mine today at breakfast over this. And uh, yeah, I I initially started out at Guelph doing computer programming. And as much as I am a geek, I realized very quickly I was not cut out to be uh, coding. and switched over to the management economics program because I had visions of, of, uh, you know, being the next Michael J. Keaton and uh, being on the 30th floor of the TD Center downtown Toronto. Uh, What the reality of that was, was having graduated, uh, spending two years doing retail banking um, in Toronto for National Trust and uh, quickly realizing that I did want to be in business for myself. Uh, I just got ahead to figure out you know what business could that be that didn't require a boatload of capital right and uh, it turns out that that would be real estate so that led me back to Guelph um, starting out because I didn't want to be a minnow in a massive ocean of realtors in the GTA market right and I was very familiar with Guelph having lived there for so many years that uh, and I knew people that I thought that was the logical and reasonable spot to start out in real estate and uh, you know in the started out with a small uh, brokerage Donnelly real estate moved to Realty World, which then became Royal LePage. And yeah, 2011, um, you know, felt I needed some additional challenges and thought I can open my own brokerage. Wow. Uh, Here we are uh, going on our 11th year. So always, always looking to, you know, Where are the best practices? What are the the next best things we can introduce to our clients? Um, So that's that's the
0: the quick abbreviated version. That's amazing. That's, uh, you know, I kind of um, I can sympathize with the whole Toronto thing because uh, I lived in Toronto for a a vast majority of of my adult life, too, and um, it can be a little like you said, you know, a uh, uh, small fish in a big pond, um, and moving out to Kitchener Waterloo, uh, it's, it's felt like it's a, it's a better fit. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty fantastic that you're able to kind of like, um, you know, pick, pick an industry that, uh, and I'd imagine back in, like, I wasn't around uh, in the industry back in, in that time, but we were dealing with Uh, interest rates that were just kind of astronomical right they were right through the roof Um, I can imagine now with a lot of uh, buyers that are um, questioning now well what do I do do I stay on the sidelines is this an opportunity to jump in the market there's a lot to navigate there um, as a uh, real estate agent but I want to also speak a little bit on the um, as a broker owner Um, you've got a whole bunch of other challenges that typically I would imagine other realtors don't necessarily have to deal with. Um, how did you so quickly grow, um, in, in 10 years, basically from, from having four realtors on board to 50 plus agents. And then was that a a task in itself to just manage? Um, and, and I guess it also speaks to on, um, you know, I've looked up a lot of your Google reviews just for the team as well too, and people love, uh, home group realty and what they do and what they represent. So it, that speaks to, I guess, uh, sort of the culture there. Maybe you can touch a little bit on that.
1: Well, and, and yeah, it, that's that's been a big thing for us over the years that when we opened up, we didn't want to to mimic uh, what all the other bigger brokerages were doing, right. uh, making it all about a you know headcount and how many people can we collect desk fees from and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the inside thing. But the big thing for, for us was we were a small group of, of realtors that we had we had done a lot of business together and we all worked in a similar manner And that we were very client centric and relationship based versus being transi- transactionally based. Right. So, you know, we weren't there like, oh, you're my next deal. And then there's my next deal. It was more, you know, I want to build a relationship right. um, because... That meant that if you were happy with what I did and how we delivered, um, you were you were more than likely to refer us and refer other business to us and keep coming back to us. So the bulk of my business over the years that I developed has always been on a repeat and referral basis. So we would look after the clients. I didn't you didn't see me um, doing a ton of advertising all over the place. It was, right. It was all by, by word of mouth. And, and so that's how we built the, the basics with the brokerage. So we we did different things. Like our signs are all custom for each property. Hmm. You know, we wow. believe that the signs should advertise the actual property that we've got listed for sale. And it shouldn't just be a marketing piece for the agent. Right. So right. every sign has like a, a tweet, 160 character description on the, <laughs> on the property. I love that. And... You know, so it's little things like that that we've done over the years that help distinguish us and and help us stand out from the crowd. Um, And it's just an emphasis on making sure that we do the right thing for the client, and and the client comes first. So that's helped us attract like-minded people, Um, and and the fact that you know we've been able to grow our brand and become number well, we're number four in the marketplace right
0: now. Well, Guel- um, Guelph's not small anymore either, right? I remember you know, back in the day, it was uh, it was a lot smaller of a, uh, yeah. of a town than it is now. Um, and, and with the way the
1: the markets between Guelph, Kitchener, and Cambridge and Waterloo have all been, we all right, share the yeah. same database now. Um, it's it's made for some exciting times on how we work with our clients mm. and, and service the business.
0: Yeah, and I think it, you know that speaks volumes because more uh, now more than ever, it's so important to. Um, have a relationship not only and i think i think having a, a solid relationship with uh your agents as well too right that that so you have a, a strong relationship there and then you also nurture the relationships with every client that walks through the door um yeah. that that speaks volumes on how you grow and um and foster a, a healthy work environment um so i i would say that probably you could attribute some of that success in in the brokerage to just you know, your ethos and, and how you uh conduct your uh, your business there. I love that idea though of going ahead and putting unique signs for every property. That makes you know a lot of sense. That's that's sort of your um calling card for that property. Right. And yeah, to to have it uh uh independent uh, or unique for each each property is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So how would you do that for um um I guess maybe not uh, detached or, de- or semi-detached homes, but something like a condominium. Like, what do you do? That's a little bit different than maybe some of the other brokerages out there when you're going to uh, list a property like that.
1: Well, on on some of those, it's yeah, we're not going to be able to put the sign out. Yeah, um, so we end up doing a lot more online marketing, uh, right. and that's a crowded space now. But again, it's more how do we make it about the property and the, and the mm. client that we're representing than right. about us as individuals or us as the brokerage. That's a good point. Um, we've coached our agents um, a lot on networking with their other, with their fellow agents throughout the, the board. So right. it's not, it's, this is a really funny industry in the sense that we're competitors, but at the same time, our industry relies on, and the, the efficiency of the market relies on us being uh, cooperative and collaborative. Yeah,
0: you need each other for sure. Yeah. Right?
1: yeah. And so uh, I think a lot of, especially with COVID, a lot of the new people in the market, in the market, the, the, the agents haven't quite understood what that's, that's all about. Mm-hmm. So again, we're trying to be a little retro in terms of coaching that to our agents, you know, get in front of people as opposed to just relying on the technology. And yeah, you know, like let's network with your, with your colleagues within the industry, let them know what you're working on, let them know what you need instead of being, you know, very closed fisted with your information. So we're, we're just constantly trying different things. And we talk about it in our team meetings all the time, like what's working, what doesn't work,
0: what gets attention to people. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think uh, in this type of like, we're in complementary industries here, but in real estate as a whole, um, it's so important to just try to you know pivot and see what works, what doesn't work. Like, I was someone that was completely against getting on TikTok, and I've had friends and other colleagues uh, from different brokerages and same sort of thing. You know, we 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 still talk, we're still a community, and some people have had great success on that. I was like, ah, you know, uh, my wife loves TikTok, and I'm like, ah, maybe I won't. No, we got a shot. So I, I got on it and it became sort of, you know, um, another tool that you can help to, to find your niche and, and find an audience. in. so, um, yeah, it's just a matter of kind of figuring out what works. And I think that's speaking to sort of like the COVID uh, the last couple of years has definitely been uh, not a unique circumstance in the, in the industry and everyone's had to kind of pivot and, um, what have you guys done at your brokerage in the last couple of years to really navigate, you know, the, I guess what we call the new norm, uh, not only with, with, uh, expectations, with buyers and sellers, but then also with your agents.
1: Well, and that's a great question because it, and, and it's forced us to very quickly adapt to a number of different things. So one, we were quick to jump on the technology like this, right. Yeah. And start being in front of clients electronically which prior to that, um, you know, the, the, the real estate industry is, is really was really far behind on the, on the, on the tech and, and on being efficient in that sense. Uh, so we were quick to jump on things like zoom and, and other ways of getting in front of people electronically. Uh, we were very close to being completely paperless prior to COVID, but that made us very quickly uh, pivot to, you know, offers everything being done electronically Mm, and, and being in front of people that way. So we were quick to do that. Um, and, and it also forced our agents to become a little better at qualifying people. So, you know, if if we were a lot of the times and I would call them pop tart agents. So I would get a call on us on a sign or a listing in the paper or on the internet. And it's like, Oh, I like that property. Can I go see it? And we wouldn't really sort of dig in and go, okay, so what is it about this property that attracts you? What is it? You
0: know, it does. You wouldn't put those qualifiers out there for them. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And so they would be, yep, I'm on my way. And then get there and find out, oh, well, I'm already working with an agent or, yeah, this is, I, I really do want this other type of property. And, and now you've just wasted a lot of people's time, including mm-hmm. the sellers, the buyers, yourself. So we've we've gotten a lot better at, at sort of starting to build that relationship up front, and right. fully understanding what is it you're looking for, you know, and, and the, and the, because COVID was forcing us to do that. We, we were limited in terms of showings. We were limited in terms of how many people we could bring through and how right. long we get yeah. there. So necessity was, yeah, I got to find out, Dan, are you qualified? Have you been pre-approved for this kind of price point? Are you sure this is, you know, like you've driven the neighborhood, you want this neighborhood, you want this style of home. You've looked at the floor plans and all the photos and the videos that we've uploaded on this listing. And if all those boxes are checked, then we're going, yeah, we can set that up for you. Yeah, I so, think
0: that's a, it's fantastic because by doing that, um, you're also saving uh, maybe subconsciously for a lot of the buyers and sellers. They don't realize that this takes a lot of time. And, you know, um, if someone doesn't know exactly, they'd like a house, but they don't know exactly what they like about the house, or the community, um, by asking these questions and qualifying them up front, you're actually... Um, getting a better um, understanding really of what they want and what they mm-hmm. need, um, which is, yeah, it's fantastic that yeah. uh, that you've, you've kind of been able to, to do that. Um, we've noticed the same thing with uh, the mortgage process, right? Like I think a lot of branches were struggling because um, folks would like to come come in and they like that personal touch and to have the paperwork and to sign it. Um, but then mm-hmm. you got to a point where um, people were forced. They couldn't go in and see their banker right? So they had to go the electronic digitally, let's meet over zoom, let's discuss things virtually, and everything can be done from home. So then all of a sudden, I was like, wow, there was the convenience factor that we didn't know we could do. And, you know, um, and they just kind of rolled with it. So um, I do you see this as something that post COVID too, that you guys are going to continue with the qualifying questions and so forth as we get into normalcy again. I, I hope so. And that would be my expectations, because
1: partly we've we've helped condition uh, the consumers out there to right. expect that as a as a better and a higher level of service. Right. And now that and, you know, things have opened up and we're back to doing public open houses, because there was a lot of debate about whether public open houses would just be done, mm-hmm. gone mm-hmm. Um, because they've been uh, they've been a great source of Lead generation, business opportunities for realtors, and it's been, for the most part, a good source of entertainment for a lot of people that are interested in real estate. And, you know, a small percentage, and and when we look at all the numbers over the years, it's less than five percent of all buyers come from an open house. Oh wow! So, it's it's a very inefficient way to market a home. And I, I can recall many conversations, um, you know, in those in those days when I would take a listing and a client would say, Now what about open houses? And I had a big enough book of business and enough clients that I would say, I don't need, you know, here's what an open house really is. It's a lead generation right. tool for a realtor. Right. And I really don't need to do them. But if you really want them, I have colleagues that are that are very good at working open houses and they'd love to have it. And they go, No, no, I'm glad I don't need to have one. You know, yes, do the open house for the agents to preview it. But public open houses, if they were given the option, a lot of clients said, no, not interested. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, that I think that there's a novelty factor now uh, that, hey, open houses are allowed again. So let's get out. Let's go do something. And that's fine. Um, You know, and I'm hoping that the coaching and training that our agents have had will be allow them to engage with the public when they go through these open houses in a, in a much more professional manner.
0: Right, yeah. So yeah.
1: Is the term I'm going to use.
0: Right. No, that's a, that's a good point. I had no idea that uh, only 5% um, had, you know, yeah. gone through an open house. house. But that makes sense because I think back on it too. And, you know, sometimes my wife and I, if someone's doing an open house down the street, hey, let's go check it out. We got some time, you know. And yeah, yeah I mean, it's not... We're not really qualified. We're not um, in the market. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, And speaking of market, let's let's talk a little bit about what's going on, because I know there's a lot of uh, questions that at least we're fielding, and I'm sure you're getting it too, um, from everything from, you know, rising interest rates that are kind of keeping people on the sidelines to a tide shifting, where maybe we're not seeing the same sort of uh, demand, and there's a little bit more supply. So, like, what's going on in your world, Paul, like, well, and that's,
1: uh, you know, fabulous uh, point to start on that. it feels like the market has slowed down tremendously. The reality of it is we've just come from warp speed down to you know, yeah. normal Mach 1 speed uh, and I've been looking at some stats and you know right now, as much as prices have come off somewhat from the peak in January and February, we're still almost 15% above the median price of May of 2020. Oh, for 2021, wow. Wow. so okay. you know prices have come down a little bit. The high water mark is, you know, that's come and gone, but there's still, you know, we're still well above where the market has been for the last uh, last number of years. The overall sales, when I look at that, um, yeah, we're down 32 percent in terms of the total sales from last year. But again, when I look out and extrapolate back to 2009, we're still running very close to what the average number of sales would be for the month of, of May and those other oh, wow. okay. months. Yeah, as an so, average, yeah. Again, the peak, the peak for us was last March. You know, there was 360 homes sold in the city of Guelph. Hmm. March of this year, you know, it was quickly pull it up. 200 and uh, oh, sorry, 257. So down okay. considerably. Yeah. But when I run across the graph, those March levels from this year all match up
0: pretty closely to a traditional March
1: that we've had in the previous years.
0: Right, so once we kind of take into consideration sort of that, that yeah. uh, yield curve there, you can see that uh, we're not too far off.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I think part of it is, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace um, where people are watching interest rates go up. And, and this is an interesting conversation because we, we chatted about this at our last team meeting that, you know, the, 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 way the interest rates have gone up in the last couple of months, um, the price decreases, you know, it's still been more expensive for that to buy that property with the higher interest rate than the price decreases of, have brought the, the overall cost of ownership down. Right. So people that are thinking, well, I'm going to wait for prices to keep dropping. I think the the pace of interest rate increases is going to
0: negate you know, any sort of easy. like savings there. Uh, yeah. 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 Because That's a really good
1: point. We look at it now that it's much like the way we buy cars. Right. We don't look at the overall price. We look at what's my monthly cost going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that $500,000 mortgage, you know, has gone up by what, $500 a month now in the last three months, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's, yeah, it's definitely gone up and, you know, to, uh, um, just on average, like if we look back from December uh, the bond yields, uh, the commercial bond yields and even uh, the five-year bond yields that, that drive the residential market on fixed rates, it's steadily been in, uh, increasing to a point where, um, yeah, we're, we're looking at, you know, four and a half percent is a good rate now uh, on mm-hmm. a five-year, which is, a f- uh, you know, two percent um, higher than, than what we were seeing um, just a little while ago. So uh, it's definitely made things a lot more expensive for that same- uh, mm-hmm. that same amount. Not only that, but the stress test, right? So everyone's got to qualify in that mortgage qualifying rate. So last year it was set at 5.25%. So even though you could get like a 2% uh, mortgage back then, you still had to qualify in a 5.25 or the contract rate plus 2%. So now that we're getting into a realm where interest rates are over 3.25%, it's actually forcing borrowers to um, qualify at Greater than five point two five percent. So right. let's say you know, they got a four and a half percent interest rate. Well, we're qualifying you on a six and a half percent interest rate. So it's forcing people to do variable rate mortgages as well to kind of keep their affordability in check. Um, what would you? I got a question for you, Paul. So if um, if I'm thinking of listing my house right in this type of market, and um, I'm kind of used to a lot of the, the articles that have come out in the last couple of years where things are going for astronomical amounts over asking what is the strategy in this market? If I'm going to list a house, should I be listing it at sort of like a, a teaser uh, price that can uh, um, drive up that, that value, or is it completely off the mark or, um, you know, what would you recommend? Well,
1: and that's Dan, that's a great question because it, it, it depends. So there's a lot of variables there. Um, if I'm looking at big picture, I would say that strategy of teaser, list price, you know, hold off for a week and accept offers has become a very risky strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing many, many people that are still using that strategy. Offer night comes, there's nobody at the door or there's maybe one offer at the door. The property gets taken off the market, and then the day a day later, it shows up back on at a much higher price uh, or, a, right. or a more realistic price. Yeah. So um, what we're seeing is is now it's you know let's look at the price point. Let's look at the the what's what's the competition. You know, am I in a real sweet spot that's going to be attractive to entry level buyers, or that coveted move up buyer? And if I've got some unique features and the house shows really really well. I may still try that tactic, but I'm going to p- still price it closer to list pr- to what we expected to sell. Right, up. right. That um, makes sense. Some of the, the higher end properties uh, or properties that, you know, and there was a great article um, a month ago that was featured where, you know, this, this house was sold, that you know the, the ceiling was falling in, the place was full of mold, and it still attracted multiple offers. That market has disappeared right now. If that house isn't priced right to reflect its current condition, people are, are just ignoring it. Yeah, They've they now right. got a lot more choice in the marketplace, mm. right? I think our, our inventory, um, our month supply is still low, but it's more than doubled up. Um, you know, three months ago, we had maybe two weeks supply. Right now, we're sitting at a month and a half of supply of listings, which means oh, wow it would take, you know, 45 days, if nothing else was listed today, it would take 45 days to clear out all the available homes. Right. Three months ago, we could have done that in two weeks. A normal market, a balanced market, there'd be four to five months worth of inventory. Right. So we're still not there. No, no, not even close. Yeah. So this is where the conversations we're having with our clients, sellers in particular, is that you know, inventory levels are building, uh, but the prices, we don't expect to, to rebound back to where they were. They're going to slowly normalize and slide down. Right. And for buyers, um, you know, there's the conditions are still good. It's, yeah. You've got less com- competition amongst other buyers. You've got more houses to look at, and you don't have to make an instant decision. So we're now actually seeing conditional offers. And the really funny thing is, we've got some, there's a lot of uh, new agents in the in the industry and in our brokerage, and they're going, I've never seen a conditional offer on sale of property.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Wow. Right? Home yeah. inspectors are actually getting busy again.
0: Yeah. So, I've, I've had friends that were home inspectors that had to kind of leave the market because there, there just wasn't enough business, right, to keep them going. So, yeah.
1: and And so what hasn't
0: happened yet is the media, and I don't want
1: to paint them as the bad guy, but- you know, headlines are what sells things. Right. Um, they haven't caught up to where the market is in the sense that you know it's normalized. It's still very healthy. So we're not in a free fall. We're not expecting you know um, fire sale prices anytime soon mm-hmm. at all because demand is still strong. Right. It's just yeah. becoming very much a normal market. Um, normal market conditions. And and that means the average days on market is probably going to hit 30, 45 days. Um, You know, for us, uh, somebody in the business so long that the average sales price to list price ratio would have been around 90%. So, you know, folks, we're going to list it 500, you're, you know, you can expect to sell somewhere between 450 and 475 somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. whereas in the last couple of years, it was always, we listed five and you can expect six. That just doesn't happen anymore, unless the property is very unique and, and
0: uh, really, really attractive. Right, right. That's, that's not sort of the... Uh... The, the norm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember that too. It's uh, it's funny because I, I think I struck a nerve on TikTok last night. I posted a, a video and it was sort of like what, what you can buy across Ontario um, with only 15,000 down. And obviously that's not a lot to put down on a property, but I found some unique properties and wow, did it ever ignite. And, and it's good because it got people uh, talking, but a lot of folks are like, no, nah, this is going to go two three 300,000 over asking. And I think because that was the new norm for so long, people just kind of got used to saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, we got to go in uh, hard on this. And I'm glad you spoke of conditions on an offer because as, uh, you know, in our line of work, we we recommend everyone and it's up to the individual buyer on whether or not they go ahead and do that. But really, those conditions are, are put into the contract to um, protect you in the event that You know something is found on the house, or it comes in uh, below value, or whatever it is, right? So uh, we're dealing with some right now that had gone in firm back in February, and appraisals are coming in very light um, and going in firm, right? So uh, it it becomes a little bit of a challenge at that point because um, you don't have those provisions in the in in the contract um, that that kind of gives you a little bit of a buffer and out in the event that you can't get financing or something comes up um, you can't get insurance whatever it is right so yeah I think we're gonna we're we're definitely going to see a little bit more um, uh, I guess less emotional buying and and more of a you know rational let's let's really consider what we're uh, spending our money on and as realtors I can tell you we weren't a great fan of the market we've just come through Oh, it must've been tough for you guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean the buyers and, you know, probably had bore the brunt of it, but when I'm having to give somebody advice, you know, like, yeah, go in $150,000 over list and take out all your conditions because that's the only way you're going to be competitive. Right. I'm taking on a lot of risk and reputational risk that I'm advising my clients the correct way. So it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it it brings a lot of uh, benefit back to our clients where we can mm-hmm. say no, we're going to make it conditional. We're going to do our due diligence. We're going to make sure the house is in good shape. That you know, the mortgage is going to be there for you when you need it, and we can get insurance. Um, and it just it just makes the process that much more enjoyable. So, but you pre- you touched on an interesting topic with the appraisals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I can imagine that's a struggle for you guys who are doing the originating and the underwriting, uh, having those kind of conversations with clients. When It's,
0: yeah, right? it's, it's, it's definitely tough. Like I've got one, um, a client who had purchased, uh, we do a lot of stuff in, in downtown Toronto as well too. And, um, you know, the expectation back in January, February was going, going hard on an offer uh, and definitely above asking. So, um, you know, there's, there's somewhere I've seen upwards of 800,000 over asking on properties. And now it's a matter of, okay, uh, we have to justify this, um, uh, this price point. And when the appraisers come back, you know, I, I feel for them too, because they're like, I spoke to an appraiser uh, yesterday and he said, look, I don't have a dog in this fight. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm told by the bank go in, assess the the value of it. And he's like, I have to be able to justify the value on a property. And just because someone bought it for that much doesn't mean that that's what the market you know the market value is on it so it becomes yeah it's you really have to stick handle it and, and make sure that uh you're setting up expectations for for everyone on okay just because we got a pre-approval or the banks like sure let you know we're we're happy with you as a borrower doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be happy with the value you, you know you put on that that property or the offer you put on and it's it's definitely um uh having those conversations are, are difficult after the fact um, and I, I definitely feel for appraisers because they're kind of thrown in the middle of it too as the bad guy and they're like look we're just kind of trying to do our job here the best that we can so yeah it's, uh, it's, it's a t- uh, tricky one because we're right in the middle right as the tides turning, yeah. and I think as more people start as more data comes on board because that was sort of the tricky thing at the beginning of the pandemic when everything sort of shot up appraisers were left On the other hand they were like well we don't have enough comparables to actually say hey this is worth what you guys offered so there was a point where yeah the appraisals were were coming in low just because there wasn't enough uh, comparable sales data there to support um that price but then things equalize and now we're going the opposite direction so uh yeah interesting time that's for sure um And I would ask, I guess, too, for you, Paul, uh, so if you've got a buyer that's kind of considering entering the market and they're on the sidelines right now, like, what's your, uh, what's your recommendation for someone there? Um, Should they wait and see? Should they um, uh, pull the trigger? And then also, what's the, uh, what's the process, I guess, if they were onboarding with you or your brokerage? Like, what do you guys go through as far as, um, um, you know, qualifying a buyer? Great. Um,
1: well, let me, let me start with that, that, that when we, we have an introductory, an introductory uh, consultation with, with clients, hmm. we're, we're going into discover, you know, what's the lifestyle you're looking for? You know, not only, yeah, tell me about the house you want and tell me about, you know, the things that you must have in this next property. And then, you know, your, would be nice to have list. It's like, What's
0: your, what's
1: your timeline? How long do you see yourself here?
0: Uh, I love because that because of, you're, you are building that relationship, right? You're sitting right? down and you're yeah. saying, I want to know you as a person, your, yeah. your likes, your wants, your needs. That, that's great because it's uh, almost uh, matchmaking at that point. Right.
1: Well, at the end of the day, that's what it is because as our market normalizes, it goes back to like, if you buy a house today, by the time you pay commissions and legal fees and appraisal fees and all those fees, if you have to turn around and sell it in a year, well, we're not going to see appreciation in the market enough to cover those expenses. So you know, we're trying to dig in and go, what's the plan here? Because if you're going to be here five years, you're going to be relatively safe in terms of being ready to move up or move out or do something else. But if you're thinking right now in this market that no, you know what, I'm gonna get into this now. And because markets, the market's gonna go up by another 10 or 15% next year, then I can afford to, to take that next step. We're gonna educate them on what's going on. Mm-hmm. So then we'll talk about, okay, let's do an education trip. So we'll to actually take them out and say, here, you guys pick out two properties that appeal to you. And then we're gonna pick out some that will give you a clearer picture of what the neighborhood is or what that market is like. Right. And we're going to go out and see some of those. So you get a feel for here's what's available, you know, and here's what this kind of property sells for. Here's what they, you know, varying degrees of condition look like. So that way, when we're actually out looking at properties and we're ready to, to put an offer together, we've already set the expectation level. Right. They know they've, they've been educated. What's the market doing? You know, we're not having to deal with the multiple offers again. So now they they've been educated that, you know what, there may be some room to negotiate. Now Mm. we don't have to make a decision. 15 minutes after we've seen the house. So that's, that's the process we're going through. And then we're talking about, okay, now let's talk about financing and you know, do you have an established relationship with your bank or a a mortgage broker? If not, then let's get you in front of somebody that's going to go through this process with you and make sure Mm. that financially, you're all set to go with this. Right. Right. We would, you know, introduce them to, to you and, and uh, you know, or uh, of course other people. Yeah. Um, And then from there we get the searches going, we get them out and that's, you know, get that process going. And then now we're dusting off our, our, um, Address books because we need to reintroduce ourselves to our inspectors and to our insurance agents and all yeah, those yeah, yeah. people on our, on our teams that we would we would normally go to. So that's the process. Okay. Um, what I you know, there's a lot of people, both buyers and sellers, sitting on the sidelines right now. Mm-hmm. And my approach on this would be you know, that's fine sitting on the sidelines if you've got time on your hands or you're not, you know, motivated to do something sooner than later, right. but if you're ready to buy and you've got your budget lined up, um, if you're gonna try to time the market and think that the market's gonna come down another 10% or 5%, you know, what are interest rates gonna do in the interim? Right. So there's, you know, there's really not gonna be an advantage to, to necessarily waiting. And again, if you're here for five years, in the long term, that five year span, the market is still going to go up. Because right. the, the interesting thing I always share with clients is, you know, we've got data that goes back you know, 20, 30 years. And yes, there are months and years in the market where it goes up, consider above average. There have been times you know, like 1992, where there was a 25% drop in the market. And it took a few years to get back. But the trend line is, you're going to see at least in the Guelph market, Mm -hmm. consistent, you know, four to 6% annual growth in the value of your home. Right. And so if you're sitting
0: on the uh, sidelines for five years, I mean, you've just kind of given up that opportunity to get in on that, that long term growth. Yeah.
1: And so we'll explain it that way. And, and, you know, hopefully that makes sense. And and it takes some of the fear uh, that people have about about waiting, you know, not certain about where the market's going.
0: Yeah, I think they call that FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt. And I think, uh, you know, you spoke volumes on that and just being able to um, grow that relationship and and get comfortable uh, with whether it's a buyer or seller in front of you. So, you know, the more you can educate them on what's going on from a professional standpoint and what you've seen over the years, and just really, you know, they're able to, to lean in on um, your experience. I mean, I think that just kind of eliminates a lot of the, the concern there. Um, and yeah, it's it's so important to, to have those tools and skill set right. to, to do that. um Anyway, Paul, I really want to thank you for joining us today. I know uh, you're a busy guy, um, but I'm sure that uh, our audience appreciates uh, listening to you and, and providing that insight on not only your brokerage and your story, but um, recommendations on what we should do in this uh, this changing market. So thank you again for joining us, Paul. Dan, my pleasure, and
1: I'm honored to uh, to have been on your show. Thank you very much.
0: No problem. Let's do it again. It was fun. Absolutely. Okay. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Thank uh-huh.